0: The Song Confessional podcast contains mature themes in adult languages, so I reckon
1: if you know what's good for you, you uh, better put them children to sleep. This is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to the eighth episode of Song Let me explain to you what we do here at the Song Confessional. So we travel around the country and we record people telling us stories anonymously. We call these confessions. We give our favorite confessions to songwriters and bands who then write and record an original song based on that confession. On each episode of the podcast, you'll hear the confession, the song it inspired, and then an interview with the people who wrote it. I'm sitting here with the spy who loved me. Tell him your name. Zach Catanzaro. And Zach, what artists are we going to be hearing from today? We've got Harmar Superstar from Minneapolis, Minnesota.
0: And how might the people know Harmar? So many different ways. He's an actor. He is a musician. He's a songwriter. He's been recording for a couple decades. Um, he's recorded or written songs, rather, for Jennifer Lopez, for Kelly Osbourne. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's really I, all over the place. I, I could go on forever. Yeah. So, I, many, so many different things. He's a busy guy.
1: I first saw him when I was uh, 15 years old. He was opening for The Strokes, uh, and he was a one-man show basically the whole time, except at the end. Two Strokes came out, and they did Be My Baby to close the set. It was awesome. That's pretty cool. I first recognized him on Broad City as uh, Oi Boy at a pretentious art art exhibit. It's a really fantastic episode. You should check it out. Uh, And if you are unfamiliar with Harmar and you're looking for a way in, listen to this episode. And then after that, check out the video of him at the Minnesota Timberwolves halftime show. Yeah, this just happened
0: like uh, a week ago or two weeks ago, and it's absolutely incredible.
1: It's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> also, you might recognize Harmar or Sean Tillman uh, from the band Heartbones, which he is in with Austin's own Sabrina Ellis. Absolutely. Walker, what's our confession about this week? Well, we, uh, we recorded this confession almost exactly a year ago. Um, Our confessor came in with her friend and told us all about her Valentine's Day uh, escapade. Uh, It started at the Yellow Rose, which is a um, uh, strip club of some note. Yeah, they call it a gentleman's club, but this night it was a ladies club. It was a ladies club. (laughs) Um, The traveling stripper troupe, well, Magic Mike's traveling stripper troupe was there. And our confessor and her friend went, and she told us all about it. And for those of you that don't know, uh, Magic Mike was
0: immortalized by Channing Tatum and Matthew McConaughey in the early aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically a traveling stripper crew with lots of choreography and oil and sexy abs.
1: <laughs> Without further ado, here's this week's confession.
2: Confession! Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good, how are you?
1: Good. So do you have a do you have a story to tell us today?
2: Um if, I if, do. Okay. I think.
1: So start from the beginning.
2: Well 6 o'clock on Valentine's Day with no plans. I was invited to a Magic Mike Show tribute show at Yellow Rose. And decided, 20 minutes to spare, to go. And... Who invited
1: you to the Magic Mike Tribute Show?
2: A really good friend of mine who goes every year, actually, on Valentine's Day. So I changed into boots and leggings and headed to Yellow Rose, a local strip club, gentlemen's club. Uh, Turns out we arrived two hours early, an hour early, hour and a half early. Um, front row leaning on the stage seats and had no idea what I was getting myself into at the time except that I paid $10 for a VIP ticket to a strip club on Valentine's Day so we get there early we order a bottle of champagne that of course comes with sparklers and chocolate covered strawberries because it's Valentine's Day um, we have a few rounds of drinks and the show starts they call four ladies up to the stage, one of them a good friend of mine that I'm with, um, and introduce the four dancers, we'll call them. One Caucasian male with glasses in a the professor, professor, <laughs> teacher, professional, I don't know, suit, blazer, tie, glasses, very sharp, cowboy, and... What I can only describe as if Wrangler jeans made rip-away jeans that turned into assless denim chaps. Wow. Uh, there was a Dominican guy who, I think, man, couldn't tell you the name. Um, and then there was an African American guy who was kind of like the hot rapper of the group. And those were the four. And, of course, they started out all buttoned up, fully clothed. Clothes continue to come off throughout the night very much sticking in character with lassos and everything you can imagine goes along with that. Um, So another part of it is you can purchase these uh, like legal paper sized playing cards like an ace or king, a queen or jack and you don't know which one it is but it matches up with one of the strippers and then at the point that they get to in that routine you go up if you have that card, if you've purchased that card, and get a dance with that specific stripper. On stage. On stage. And I, at this point, am very confused about what's going on, and I've had a lot of champagne, and don't really understand the process of the routine. go outside to smoke a cigarette, miss them calling me (coughs) to a dance on stage with uh, the cowboy. And come back, and they've started a new routine, at which point Cowboy stripper leans over the side of the stage and says to me, you missed your dance with me, but I'm coming back for you. And And What were were you
1: feeling when he said that? What -hmm. what was the feeling you had?
2: I think my knees were weak, because he had a cowboy hat. I was a little in shock. So at the end, they kind of just circle through the crowd and give lap dances, and Cowboy... Stripper circles back around, tells me his real name, writes his cell phone number on my cocktail napkin, grabs my hand and takes me to the VIP area where I get my old nap dance, and talk about life, dreams, and hobbies, and make plans to go fishing the next day. It was a lot of conversation. Um... <laughs> I'm <be> piecing this <laughs> night back together right now. Um... Anyway, show ends. My phone's dead. Hit Whataburger on the way back to my apartment. Phone's back on. And I continue to text said stripper, who did not give me a fake number. <laughs> and 1.30 in the morning, I told him I could be at Holiday Inn in 20 minutes. And he said, I'll see you in 20 minutes. Wow. The other really good part to the story... Anonymously is that through this whole process the girlfriend that I went with was having the exact same experience with the professor, stripper, staying at the same hotel. So we lifted over together and then at seven thirty in the morning we met back up in the lobby and lifted home.
1: That's really good. <laughs>
2: I feel like I'm reliving it and it's <laughs> awesome. Do we need some physical details? So
1: so <laughs> of you, the you and your friend meet up at the Holiday Inn and then she goes with the professor and you go with the cowboy. And what happened?
2: Well, we obviously slept together, which was great. And then we stayed up till four in the morning talking about literally our life hopes and dreams. And it turns out he's a super sweet guy. <laughs> Is dance doing this tour, which he told me would be the last tour that he does because he's going back to school.
1: What, what was it like having sex with a, a cowboy, a sexual dynamo stripper cowboy?
2: Well, he's 6'5", and <laughs> he has some very cowboy tattoos of antlers and tribal things and is beautiful and is also not a cowboy in real life. A little disappointing, but a very southern Tennessee fisherman.
1: Then, what are some of his hopes and dreams?
2: Um, to go back to school, to travel to as many countries as possible. He has a very extensive list, list of places he's already traveled. Um, I think he said he was born to fish. At one point.
1: What is it like when you see you're really both
2: kids? in great shape? For sure, uh I think my bra was hanging out of my purse. amazing uh i my favorite detail of the night actually was I was rushing so quickly to get dressed that I tried to put my leather boots on with no socks and got just didn't work super well. Had to find my socks from underneath the hotel bed. um got in a lift who was like a super chatty seven thirty am fun ride back to our homestead, and then went our separate ways to work by 9 o'clock. Wow. There's more to the story now, actually, (laughs) because the text that I got, A, I left my watch at the hotel, which he kindly left with the front hotel manager that I had to walk of shame back and get the next day at 4pm. I get a text the next evening that says, don't you go forgetting about me now. And we've kept in pretty constant contact. They they had a show in Houston the next night, to which I got a few a photo saying, "Here we go again, selfie before he goes on stage," and a few updates throughout the show, how it's going.
1: Man, so it sounds like it sounds like y'all are gonna stay in contact, yeah.
2: Yeah, we. I'm probably gonna see him today. They're back in Austin tonight for a show. <laughs>
1: They're back in Austin. <laughs> yeah. If you see him tonight, will you let me know?
2: I will. I can absolutely do that. I could text him right now. Actually,
1: could you see yourself dating this guy? Like if you lived here?
2: I I wouldn't say no. And the best part is, my friend that went with Professor—they talked on the phone for two hours yesterday. Yeah. I mean, they're at coffee right now as we speak.
1: Do you do you think he's you're the only one he's like the only person he's ever had a thing with on the road?
2: Oh no way!
1: How does that affect your feelings about it? Like, does it make it more fun or less fun, or doesn't matter?
2: It doesn't really matter. I'm. It doesn't really. It's kind of neutral about it. Yeah. Because at first I was like, well, this is what they do. But then I was like, it would be really exhausting sitting up till four in the morning talking about what you want out of life every night. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine that's always what (laughs) happens.
1: Well, I think we have everything we need.
3: Thank you so much for sharing.
2: Thank you for having me, this was great.
3: Hi, Jim Eno here, how you doing, Walker? I'm doing pretty good, how are you, Jim? Pretty good, so that confession, does that make you think of island vibes at all? Me, no. No? No, I don't I don't think about islands. Interesting, because that's what Harmar told me after he heard the confession. He's like, I think this one needs some island vibes.
1: So he listened to the confession here in the studio. and He says, I want island vibes. And how, well, how, did, you, how did you get that? Because the song definitely has island vibes. Yeah, totally.
3: Well, I have a four-year-old son, and we come out and play in the studio all the time, and he loves the Omnicord. And when you turn the Omnicord on, it instantly has island vibes. So I was like... This this could be perfect. So I took this out to them. They were writing in a patio outside the studio and they pretty much wrote all the chords right there in about fifteen minutes just right on the omni chord.
1: And then you guys they everyone came back into the studio and, and how long did it take to, to track this song?
3: Start to finish with the band getting pretty much everything tracked was probably about four hours.
1: Wow. That's uh, incredibly quick, considering how lush the song is.
3: Yeah, and then they wanted some background gang vocals, but sounded a little weird having just dudes do it. So that's when I called you and said, "Let's get some female vocals on this."
1: Yeah, and I texted uh, Jane Ellen Bryant and Sarah Hauser, and they were available yeah. by chance that evening.
3: Yep, and they killed it.
1: Well, here it is, y'all—the world premiere of "Don't You Go Forgetting About Me Now." Don't You Go Forgetting About Me Now was written by Sean Tillman. It was performed by Sean Tillman, Aaron Baum, Ryan Mock, and Alex Proctor. The backup vocals were performed by Jane Ellen Bryant and Sarah Hauser. It was engineered, mixed, and produced by Jim Eno with assistant engineering by Grant Epley. Man, does that, does that song make you want to have a one-night stand?
0: I have to say no, but it does make me want to have, like, An incredible night in Tahiti, half naked, in a straw skirt, probably with like coconut shells on my breast area, Mm -hmm. really drunk, watching the sunrise, and like crawling back to my grass hut and sleeping for three days. Yeah, that sounds great. So it's like, in my heart, it's like a one night stand with myself. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So maybe actually the answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) I've never done that. Or had a one-night stand, because <laughs> yeah. I'm a little baby boy. I'm a little baby boy. But no, the song is like, it's so fun, but it, yeah, it doesn't make me think sex.
1: It makes me think really sugary, delicious drinks. You'll hear more about one-night stands, island themes, and fisherman dreams in my interview with Sean Tillman. Interview. 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 Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm sitting here with Sean, uh, of Harmar Superstar. Um, we're gonna talk about this this awesome confession. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I, so I have a couple just just uh, preliminary questions. Okay. In your own words, uh, what was the story about this confession?
4: Um, you know, I think it was a, a chance encounter of, of, of a lust <laughs> and uh, and um. You know, it's uh, to me it was just, like, um, it was just really insane just imagining just, like, these four dudes uh, traveling around the country doing, like, a tribute show to a film that's about strippers, (laughs) and this is what they do. And they're, like, all over, they're coming back to town. You know what I mean? The fact that they like, circling back and, like, doing East Coast tours and, like, this is, like, a life that, like,
1: involves just dancing stripping just dancing and stripping (laughs) yeah i so this one time uh i was on tour with my band and we had this guitar player he only did one tour with us but he was six four six five yeah really good looking uh (laughs) he would spend most of the day in tearaways yeah yeah Uh, he wore basketball shoes And either a hoodie or like just a jersey. Yeah. And one day we were at uh, a gas station in the middle of nowhere, and he got out, and someone said, Oh, are you part of the such and such stripper show? <laughs> and he had no idea what was going on. And he came back to the van and we thought it was the funniest, weirdest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Who would ever assume that a van full of people was a traveling stripper yeah, show? Yeah, exactly. So when I heard this, it, it made me laugh because I was like, oh, wow, like maybe that really is a thing. There are, I a just thing. don't know. I, I've noticed since uh, Stormy Daniels became uh, part of our uh, culture that yeah. I see her name around the country. Yeah. And maybe I just miss it.
4: I've just yeah, missed I mean
1: it. it happens. I know, I know that there
4: are like you know, porn stars et cetera that like definitely do do like club appearances, and I'm not yeah. sure exactly what they do, but I think people are just like you know,
1: I guess they get in the van just like the rest of yeah. us, man. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I mean, what a life! Yeah, no sound check. But you yeah. got to stay buff, so that's pretty. That's 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 pretty tricky. I that is
1: like. so impressive. If you imagine, you know, someone traveling most of the day and then they get there. I mean, I guess it is a good workout, but like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And it's just like, and then
4: in my mind, I'm like, how many are they just juggling like women every night, like, you know, coming back and they're keeping in touch with these people. They must be pretty young to have all this energy. Totally.
1: (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I loved so much about the, the confessor is she just could care less that he probably has done this a lot. Yeah, like,
4: she seems really chill.
1: She's super chill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, the other thing I really liked about her attitude in it was, uh, it was like she took the whole experience at face value. Yeah, totally. But obviously, like, saw why it was a good story. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, how could you not? Yeah, how could you not? It's oh, such a good I mean, story. <laughs> it's
4: great. And it's great that on the day she went in the confessional, she was going to meet up with him again. It, it's that night and the professor was at coffee
1: and the professor
4: was at coffee and that's the thing so they're going on like coffee dates yeah that's like super young stuff yeah totally <laughs> you know what i mean yeah you're <laughs> like, right. yeah, or like you know way old stuff but i'm, I'm guessing that that you know what i mean true like, yeah
1: yeah yeah. definitely <laughs> i mean i think uh i liked a lot of the details that she remembered and i noticed that you put uh a lot of them in your song i tried to you know when i was listening to
4: the confession i i was just like taking notes of like you know key elements of the story and like you know the don't you go forgetting about me which is an Uh, amazing refrain that's great yeah so that that had to be the i was screaming to be a chorus you know what i mean and like and just like the um you know her details about her leggings and boots and uh and yeah just like a lot of it just made it in there the song kind of wrote itself you know the yeah. chords just sort of like fell into place and did you
1: happened. uh do do you usually put a lot of uh kind of I, I don't know first hand details like that in your lyrics
4: um i guess uh, i had a project called or i, I still do it sometimes called Sha Na Na that's mm-hmm. like uh more kind of guitar based kind of more like I don't know I, I it's 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 more songwriting like that, I guess, so mm-hmm. I definitely hadn't done it for a while, but it is like a a thing I've done a lot so, yeah you know what I mean yeah yeah
1: <laughs> you're just getting little snippets of really specific details yeah and you're kind of like wait what you know yeah, it was nice to do
4: it to somebody else's story too because then First of all, I didn't have to, like, make things up. And, like, I felt like... I feel like it was a, it was a lot younger when I was doing a lot of the Sean and I recordings. And uh, so they'd be, like, really, like, kind of weirdly spiteful <laughs> by the end. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, kind of just, like... Yeah. Like, hating yourself and your story kind of thing. So it was nice to kind of just have, like, a... Kind of a cool... It, cool story to tell that I didn't really yeah. have to, like, invest in. But I just had to, like, kind of be the portal of it, you know?
1: This song... Uh you wrote it pretty quickly.
4: Yeah, it was written in like ten minutes. Wow! Like we kind of like, um, I was feeling like from the story, kind of I don't know. I was uh, we the vibe came to me as like a Hawaiian cowboy kind of vibe. So mm-hmm. I, I said that, and Jim ran and got this like uh, Suzuki Q chord, Omni chord thing that was like immediately had like a bossa nova beat in it and we just started playing the chords and it had the sevenths and everything already there um boring boring details but uh Mm -hmm. but but uh we just sort of like i just started writing lyrics the other guys went in and started messing with synths i came up we kind of like mapped out the parts and it was literally just like done and yeah, we like we we laid down the the chord patterns and my my scratch vocal at the same time and yeah it was like twenty
1: minutes later it was like wow. all all there. My <laughs> my my friend Sarah uh, Sarah Hauser sang the she's one of the female vocalists. Oh awesome! At the end, yeah, I didn't who, get to meet them because we yeah, were playing a show. You later. had a show. Yeah. She described it as uh, if Sergio Mendez and Barry Manilow wrote a song for a spaghetti western about a stripper in Vegas. I mean it as a compliment.
4: That's great. That's that's a good review right there. Put that on my tombstone. Put that on
1: your tombstone. <laughs> uh, I thought that was a really really good description of, of the song. Yeah, um, I'm really glad they got to make it in there. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and, and it's uh, I've, it's so it's Sarah Hauser and it's Jane Ellen Bryant and they both have their own projects. Both play with a lot of people. Both do a lot of studio work. Um, I love I love working with them. But I just texted them at like five. And yeah. they just happened to be free. So I'm glad it worked out. Yeah,
4: we got like the, the rough mix last night while we were like out at Hotel Vegas. And we were all like standing in the corners, like listening to it on our phones separately. And we were so stoked. We went home and yeah. listened to it like, I don't know, like eight times in a row. And it's a, not a short song. Yeah, it's, it's pretty epic.
1: <laughs> it does. It does. It, it kind of reminds me of, uh, do you know that Frank Sinatra song, uh, Something Stupid? Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard it for a long time, but yeah it it has it has that kind of like wistful drinking cocktails on the beach vibe. yeah, totally, but like ten cocktails, <laughs> yeah, You're like getting yeah, the whole totally a lot yeah um,
4: it, it it's yeah, i we didn't realize it was like six minutes until we like actually saw it like you know, on, yeah, as like that, a file, it was like, oh. God, because it's just like verse, chorus, verse, totally. chorus, bridge, double chorus, which I normally do, but I guess I just don't write songs that slow That's or slow. Yeah. wordy. I'm not sure exactly, but
1: I never noticed the length until, yeah,
4: until yeah, till like, it. Till you just see it and you're like, oh Jesus, because it doesn't feel long. I don't think it's which is no, weird. I don't think so either.
1: <laughs> is there? A, did you kind of personally connect with the story at all?
4: I mean. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it it was kind of like, you know, um, it was refreshing to hear a one-night-stand story that was, like, so chill. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not at all embarrassed or anything and just sort of like, yeah, yeah. it was great. He was a really sweet guy. We talked about our hopes and dreams. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. he wants to be a fisherman.
1: It's also <laughs> true. <laughs> That is really true. You it's, know
4: what I mean? We're like, I feel like I know this guy. I feel like I slept with him.
1: Yeah, I feel like I slept with him too. Yeah. Like,
4: Can I get his number?
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah, it's interesting. That I hadn't thought about it, but I guess nowadays when I hear one night stand stories, it's always a, story, a connection that happened through a dating app. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's always like this... Uh, not always, but a lot of times there's like a kind of um, almost like sinister thing to it. Yeah, there's like a
4: creepiness. I, I can't do, I've never like done the Tinder thing just because I feel like I, people kind of like would know who I am maybe if yeah. it was like in my town or something like that. And mm. uh, that could like turn just like weird or it's getting like fucked with or like somebody would just like, you know, mess, yeah. mess with you all the time. So I'm always just like very like standoffish with it and i'm like uh so i've never really had the the uh the like the tinder kind of thing uh the experience but you know like after touring for so many years is mm-hmm. you, you end up in situations but like yeah, yeah. it's always <clears throat> for me not not shameful either so it's like you know i i feel like uh yeah it's just nice to hear a woman just lay it down like that and be like,
1: "Yeah, well, that was great." You yeah, and know? Know, one thing. So I noticed that you you work a lot in like R and B, soul, yeah, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you know. Um And that, well, like, when because like, like the whole, like, all your records, like, it's not even just kind of one. Like you're drawing from just one era, like yeah. Like it has always come across to me like you're very familiar. Oh yeah, like the whole breadth of the kind of history and genre, um, and even this song, yeah, which is which is a different kind of throwback thing. But but how did you become so familiar with all this all this music? <laughs> I don't know, man. I
4: I, I just uh, I just started like geeking out on records when I was like five, you know. Like yeah. I started like early and would learn all the lyrics to every record and, like, obsess over them, like, you know, stand by the record player with the headphones on, staring at it spinning, and uh, I don't know, you know, it's just, I just got really curious and, you know, dug through my brother's, sister's, and parents' record collections and kind of, like, took stuff from every, every pocket I could, and I don't know, I just never really... I never really was like what's like a one genre person, you know what I mean? Like yes. I would just like be like, well, what's this? This is Simon and Garfunkel, or you know, I'm gonna listen yeah. to License to Ill right now, and I'm also gonna listen to like Two Live Crew, but I'm also gonna get into like Gilbert O'Sullivan, you know what I mean? Like and mm-hmm. just like kind of just kind of just whatever would happen. I just felt like it helped me connect to people more because. I could talk to anybody about their favorite record because I knew it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you can kinda like break open the room that way. Yeah.
1: Well <laughs> I think one thing that's really cool about what you do is that uh I think other people who might do that they might get called like a throwback thing, but yeah, never see that label get thrown at you. No,
4: not too much. I mean, why I, do you think that is though? I don't know. I think maybe cause I use like modern sounds or something. Like I, I try to like keep the songwriting form pretty like classic, but yeah. then, you know, I don't get tied down to like the throwback sounds or, and I think sometimes like the lyrical contents, like a little like weird. So, so like, uh, so that helps take it out of there, you know? It's, yeah. It makes it kind of its own thing.
1: Do you uh, do you have anything on the horizon? Any records? I, yeah.
4: Uh, I have a new band with um, Sabrina Ellis mm-hmm. from Giant Dog and Sweet Spirit called Heart Bones. Mm-hmm. And we've recorded about 13 songs now. We've released a few singles. Wow. So we have like an album pretty much ready to go. We might write a couple more and, and uh, get in the studio again next month, but figuring out who's gonna put that out when it's coming out and then I'm about halfway into the new Harmar album. Um and I've been playing with my old band from when I was like seventeen called Calvin Crime again. We were like a, a noise band on Amrap and we've just been like writing new shit. I've just been like constantly like trying to play it with everybody and uh I yeah, I was um in the studio with Ryan Olson. We were like making ideas for a new gangs record so i don't know we're Man. just trying to like trying to uh just make shit you know yeah it sounds like a
1: lot but i'm like really like sitting
4: on my couch watching tv like <laughs> you
1: know what i mean like well you're doing all the stuff that if you do it right you can like go home at the end of the day and
4: yeah just be human or you can just do it all in like three manic days yeah you know what i mean yep. like you know and then just like
1: yeah then fuck around it, And so you're, you're you're doing all this in in Minneapolis.
4: Mostly, yeah, yeah, for the most part. Um I I've, I've come down here to write with Sabrina sometimes. We do most of the recording up
1: there at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting, man. I I like what I've heard from you guys and I, I love everything Sabrina works on. So, Oh, yeah,
4: she's the best. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun to write songs with her.
1: How did y'all meet?
4: Um I I was just like a huge fan. She's just such a amazing front person that like and and singer and uh I'd seen a giant dog just at, like, things like Fun, Fun, Fun Fest or, like, South by Southwest, and yeah. I'd be down here, and I'd always make sure to go check their shows out. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I asked her if she'd want to come on tour at any point, and she she brought Sweet Spirit with us on tour for, like, a month, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, she started jumping up and singing a couple songs with us and our set, and just how her voices sounded together on stage was, like, we got to do something, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it was just kind of just
1: obvious at that point.
4: It's awesome. Yeah.
0: All right, Walker. Question on everyone's mind. Did he text her again? Did they date? Are they married? What do we got?
1: <sighs> it didn't work out. <sighs> That they never saw each other again. Now, now, it's been a long time. But, okay, but, so, there, but, so it could have rekindled, potentially. I mean, he is a traveling stripper, y- yeah, I mean, even it, though he might be getting out of the game. It
0: sounded impossible to me, but she was so hopeful. Yeah, I she really was. I, I really wanted to believe in it. We all did, I think. I mean, I'll
1: I'll try to find her contact, and I'll try to follow up again, but, but the last I heard, yeah. which was right after this, they didn't meet up again, and it didn't work
0: out. Because this is like a reverse pretty woman. I mean, he could've, she could have taken him out of the traveling stripper lifestyle. And put him in a nice suit, gotten him a haircut. I mean, if he's a cowboy, he's probably got a decent haircut already, but True. he doesn't have a nice suit. What would the name of that movie be? Pretty man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> would they get like Cardi B to, to redo go... pretty woman by Roberson and <laughs> oh, be called
0: Pretty Man? That would be good. That's pretty good. Who's who are the leads in this movie? This is
1: well, now to me it's Cardi B. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's it's like
0: Cardi B and like Danny DeVito. Uh, then it's fully reversed. Then Cardi B's taking a businessman out of the suit and putting him on the pole.
1: I love it. That is amazing.
0: <laughs> oh my god. So when was the last time you were at a strip club, Walker?
1: Uh, I was at a strip club for a friend's bachelor party. Okay. Uh, something of a typical. pretty typical typical, yeah. <laughs> something of a pretty man himself. Mm. Uh, definitely not your typical strip going or stereotypical stripper strip shit. club going guy but he's a he's a suit wearing nine-to-fiver uh, oh he calls himself a moon child <laughs> okay so. okay All uh, right, got we, it. so we end up at this strip club and he's taking some uh some mdma hmm. ecstasy or molly whatever you know it as and uh uh many people are buying him lap dances and uh each time it just turned into him dancing with the stripper or on the stripper. Fantastic. Uh, it kind of all culminated when uh, they brought him onto the stage, and he ended up dancing on the pole. <laughs> and this, the the all of the strippers were just sort of circled around him, like kind of cheering him on. That's so good. Uh, it was very very funny. So it put it, it put the man on the
0: pole. Put the pretty man on the pole. They put the pretty man on the pole. That's it, I liked it.
1: It really uh, changed the atmosphere in that. Strip club. I can only imagine. Completely, it was very, <laughs> turned it upside down. Very, very funny. That's it went great. from the usual awkwardness of uh, being in those places to just everyone kind getting of cracking, getting up. real names. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the crowning achievement. That's like real That's, like names the, ba- that's the Bowser level of the strip club. Is real names. You, you defeated Bowser's castle. Oh my
1: god, that's cool. Well
0: Song Confessional Podcast is produced by myself, Walker Lukens, Aaron Blackerby,
1: Rylan Kettery, Jim Eno, Mike Lee, and brought to you by KUTX. The theme song you heard at the beginning was written by me, Walker Lukens. It was performed by myself, Zach Catanzaro, and James Wesley Essery. It was engineered and mixed by Grant and Hepley, and then remixed and made a little louder by Matt Gerhard at Public Hi-Fi.
0: Don't You Go Forgetting About Me Now it can be downloaded, listened to, streamed, purchased, however it is, whatever it is that you're
1: consuming your music these days, it's out there. If you like this podcast, the best thing you can do is tell a friend about it. The second best thing you can do is rate, review, and subscribe to Psalm Confessional Podcast wherever it is that you listen to since. Also, we'd like to apologize to Matt Riley. I'm sorry, I forgot my hot towel.